Episode 62 of the Church Digital Podcast, powered by Stadia Church Planning. Guys, congratulations. We did it. We survived Easter. A month ago, people were freaking out about this whole church online thing, and then we went and did the impossible. We did the Super Bowl. We did the biggest Sunday of the year and did it in a church online environment. You out there, the creative geniuses, the online pastors, the executive pastors, the lead pastors, the volunteer each of you did a phenomenal job to help these services happen online. You you all should be applauded for what happened as a result of it. It was funny. While while I was doing this recording, I actually had a text come in from from a friend of mine who's who's connected with Life Church, works on on the church on uh, online platform that project. And so I've got some stats. I've, I don't think these are final stats, but this is just even where we are in the midst of Sunday when I'm doing this recording. 11.4 million people watched a church service on the church online platform. Of those, 57,000 services, 57,000 services have been executed on the church online platform. Over 70,000 salvations as a result of it. 134 countries. By the way, this is like 1.30 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday the 12th. We're still in the midst of Easter Sunday, and we're already seeing stats like this coming in, and I'm sure it's going to skyrocket. By the way, I'm not sure if we had did all physical services. I don't think we would have reached 134 countries. And, and there's this, this interesting merger between physical and digital. Now, look, we really know how to do the physical church service. We've been doing the physical church service as a church. We've been doing them for, for centuries, the physical church service. I think, gun to our head, we've been trying to figure out how to do the church online service, the digital church service well. The conversation that I want to have today is, what does it look like to do both well? What does it look like to take the church online, the digital aspect, and then the physical aspect, and, and do it well together so that it's a merger of physical and, and digital? What if, what if, and I'm just, hey, let's just make up a word, because that's what we do, right? What if we're looking at a digital church? One that marries physical and digital together with that. What are the differences? What are the strengths and weaknesses? What are the opportunities that we have to combine? And what would that do for us, the church, long term? Listen, we made it past getting all our church services online. We made it past Easter, which was one giant hurdle that we as a church had. We've got an opportunity now to do the next thing. And that's develop a strategy for the church that is merging physical and digital together a digital strategy for the church that's the challenge before you and to this end we're bringing in a, a podcast a conversation we've got jay cranda from saddleback church one of the ogs right now of church online original gangster in case like you're you're, you're not up with the, the lingo you know i try to stay cool at 42 jay's coming back in no strangers to the podcast he was actually one of the first guests we had on the podcast a year ago. We're coming up on our one-year anniversary. And then we're also bringing in a uh, co-host of the uh, podcast here, Digital Pastor of Christ Fellowship Miami, Ray DeArmas, in a conversation that I'm calling Tomorrow's Fidgetal Strategy. All right, everybody, here we go. Who would have won the NBA Finals this year? Well, I actually think it would have been the Lakers. Uh, you think? I actually do. Yeah. Would this have been the year? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, when you say the year, I mean, we've had many years, so you don't need to, like, tell us. Oh like, like, we don't need. Like, I am sorry, sir. I yeah, did not mean to offend you when I said that. It, I know. It's a pretty we're not, like, history over there. Yeah. yeah we're, we're not. 
trust me, we're, there's no drought. So uh, here we're, we're, we're good. But uh, yeah, I, I think, I think the Lakers had a, I, and I know I'm biased. I think they had a legitimate chance to do it considering everything, but you never know. They're, the playoffs were deep this year. The teams were deep. There were everybody. I think there were like four teams that legitimately could have, if they would have gotten on fire, which is all you need. You just need four. You need four games, man. That's all you need. So it's true. It's true. I think. I think it would have been you guys or the Clippers. I think either way, the trophy would have stayed in, in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. Whoever came out of the West was going to win, just because. Uh, to me, Antetokounmpo is going to leave. Like the Bucks yeah. just don't have enough. Uh, that's going to be that. But um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think LeBron oh, gets man. his third championship with the third team solidifying yet another piece on his resume for history. Yeah. I, now you're depressing me, Jeff. Now, now I'm like, now we got to, now I got to wait, you know, because most likely they're not going to play. I know that they're trying to make stuff happen in July, but. Uh, Are I they really? I, I hadn't heard. Like, at sea. At sea. <laughs> I know. Well, like they're trying, it's like the, what's his name from the UFC? Like they're trying to buy the island. He's trying to like buy an island so he can go. Yeah, Dana and White. Have, yeah. Yeah. He's trying to have fights on an island somewhere. Uh, but people are not, I mean, the thing is, I was listening to something yesterday and they were talking about like, I guess they did W WrestleMania with nobody. Yes. And, yes. And and I, I didn't watch it, but they said it was kind of weird. Everybody was just like, it's definitely super strange. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know how, how a team I was watching. I was, I watched a couple nights ago, the old, uh, the Utah uh, uh, Bulls games. And I totally forgot the Utah. I remember the thing with the old, with the Utah games was how loud the arena was. Cause it was all right. up on it. Like it was just kind of a weird, it was like a tight arena and they would, they kept going to shots of the noise level in the arena, which I totally, I know that was the thing Utah did forever, but it yeah. was funny cause it wasn't a digital, uh, digital meter. It was like an actual shot of like a real meter, like somewhere like a note cause they couldn't do it digitally. So it just kept shotting to this camera shot. And I was like, they felt so old. Um, <laughs> But uh, but I'm like yeah I don't know how game in a quiet arena where you could hear everything it would be really strange and playoffs are such a momentum yeah. there is something about basketball when it's loud and it's just mm -hmm. it's just I don't know how that would be and I don't know how it would affect the the teams and I, I don't know how you you, ha you would have to essentially lock everybody down you would have to yeah. say hey guys we're playing in this this area this every you can't leave like. Like and you're just stuck here for the next, you know, you for the next week, month. two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And it, like, would people really want to do that? I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see. Well, the other thing to Jay is it's not just the players themselves, right? Like, it's their staff, it's the coaches, it's a it's whole everybody. lot of folks. Yeah, it's a lot of folks that you have to have under wraps for quarantine for all this stuff. But I agree with you. Look, I, when we talk about wrestling, like when I was in college, I went to go see the filming of Monday Night Raw here in Miami. Oh yeah. Yeah, and man, sweet. this was during the Stone Cold Rock era when they yeah, were like both yeah, yeah. huge, and yeah. man, what an amazing experience! But I saw some of the clips of WrestleMania and stuff. Did yeah. you take the crowd out of it? Like seventy percent so of wrestling weird. is gone. It's it's just awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. You yeah. That that's the thing. It's it's we we have, you know, we moved next to our, our like our closest friends, and so we've been like in quarantine with each other, kind of. But another friend lives on the same street. And they have kids that are older. And, and one of the kids is kind of like, he's not a bane to any of the rules. And so the, we had a conversation today about 
like, okay, this, our friend's son, Jacob, who we, I was like his small group leader in high school. Like, I love Jacob, but like he, he's going in and out of, he's not obeying to anything. And so now he's going to be home. And we had this, weird conversation, we're having going to have this, this weird conversation. Like, you know, we're going to have to tell him, like, he can't just come over to our house because essentially if he wants to break the rules, he can, but sure. we are in self quarantine right now, like between our families. And so we, and, and you're risking uh, because they, my, our friend's uh, mom is going to come stay with them and she's high risk essentially. And so like, like, so this is what's going to, how are you going to control all these teams, all their kids, all their families? Like, so you really have to, you have to have those type of conversations. Oh, so yeah. your, your daughter who's in college wants to go to the, the local coffee shop and just grab something, come back. Like, did she wear a mask? Are you doing the, the temperature stuff? Are you going to do what China's doing with the green, a yellow card stuff where like that's how they're like i i know it's possible but like i know they have to go into a players agreement deal they, they have to go to the the players association and go like like because it is infringing in people's rights like it's a big yeah. thing and so it's like it's gonna be interesting but regardless we have to figure it out here in the next month or so as they start lifting stuff if americans just wear masks we probably can go back to some activity but it will mm -hmm. people obey is the real issue so yeah, that our autonomy has always kind of been the issue at this and I, and I find it very spiritual like on on one side because right like the bible that we study is actually eastern in thought and so there's a lot more thought in terms of how an individual's actions affect the community when this whole thing happened the instant thing that was insulted was everybody's autonomy was everybody's individual rights like no no government's going to tell me that i can't worship at church in person yeah are you yeah. not thinking christologically about how your actions affect the community that that's yeah that's struggle yeah, no, it's a good question. When we get past coronavirus, when life gets back to whatever normal is, mm. what what is what does church look like? What is what does culture look like around us? Like we started, we're talking about you know WWE, WWF, and you know the the Rock doing his hand thing to the to the ear. Are you smelling what the Rock's cooking in the kitchen? Whatever the line is, it's been so long since I watched that stuff. I was more of a Hulk Hogan ultimate warrior kind of kind of like that was my heyday way, way back when um and, and so like you're right that take that out of the equation out of that physical environment where you're just watching it online there is a there is a piece of it where yeah you need that physical component but without having the the online part without it being broadcast you're definitely losing a, a lot of of reach and so hmm. there's this there's this tension, and I can't believe I'm drawing an analogy of church to WWE. I did not plan this when I started this podcast. But hmm. you've got this tension, right, between, all right, so let's go all the way back to the way that it was before coronavirus, where all these churches aren't having anything to do with, with online. Okay, you can maybe do that. I don't even know that you can do that because I think culture is swinging so far the other way towards having more digital, more technology, more community centered around these these technology pieces so like i think there's a, a balance between the two like when, when you look when you think at what is culture going to look like post coronavirus when you think how is the church how can the church respond to this jay cranda ray diarmas two of the smartest people i know which is why i wanted you on this podcast what are you thinking about what what does the future look like i well i was actually just thinking how you kind of look like Jake the Snake. I was just like, you got. That's awesome. Yeah. You got, you got the look a little bit. So, um, 
but anyways, uh, so I, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, 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 I go to two places. I, I definitely think that a lot of people are going to immediately leverage, you know, zoom for a lot more things. I think there's a lot of, there was a quote today that I was reading in an, an article and he was talking about kind of this idea of, of what the coronavirus is doing. And, and I'll just read it. It was from Ben Thompson. He says, the coronavirus crisis will not so much foment drastic changes as it will accelerate trends that were already happening. Changes that might have that. taken 10 to 15 years simply because of the, the stickness of the status quo may now happen in far less time. And so he was mm -hmm. talking about like, uh, cutting cords. So if, if people have cable because of live streaming of sports and there's no live sports, a lot of people might immediately be forced into a, you know, into a corner to go, oh, wow, like, I don't really need this. I can get everything on Netflix or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And I think churches are realizing like, oh, wow, like, we can do meetings online. We, we can do support groups online. We can do coaching online. I, you know, I, I was kind of joking that Right now, if you get if you get let go at your church and you need to get hired at a church, right now you could really get hired anywhere. Like any church is doing remote, like yep. re remote stuff. Now they might not want to do that, um, or they might not have the funds right now to do that. So it's not really a good time for that to happen. But I I do think there's a lot of people just realizing, oh wow, like a lot of this stuff is working. Now the flip side, I do also feel that there's a lot of people that this might give them justification to not do things online after this because they might go this didn't work for us or <laughs> i didn't see this and I, I actually think a lot of that is coming from the confusion around metrics i don't feel mm -hmm. like a lot of people are like they're they're looking at all this stuff and they're like wow a lot of people are watching this or this isn't this isn't working and i i think if you didn't have the platform set up for this pre covid 19 and all of a sudden everybody has to watch on facebook and youtube and on your website whatever if you didn't have that platform set up, you're having to re-message a bunch of people where to go. And the people that already had that, it was seamless. Like for us, we already had a platform. We had, you know, subscribers, we had things. And so people automatically knew where to go. And I think a lot of people, the first couple of weeks have been painful. And I am scared that might give them reason to not reinvest. And I, and I feel, feel like both camps kind of exist. I do, I do feel like more people will leverage it. I feel like that camp's larger, but I am a little nervous for what people will do after this and might might stop doing something just because they said, oh, look, we did that. And it didn't really work that great. You know, I'm actually a little more optimistic, even though I agree with you. I think that things will change and I'm glad that you cited that article because I couldn't agree more. This really, it, it, it advanced us a lot quicker than what we had thought in terms of arriving at this point. I was telling Jeff earlier that we, we were so happy that 90% of our physical groups actually transitioned to an online environment during this time, which was, bigger than what I, I thought would happen. And so that right there, but there were already exactly what you're saying, Jay, we had a lot of the things in place. We had, oh, we know how to do this. We've done this already in other environments. We've, we've taken our services online. We've taken small groups online. We've got membership online. We've got like so many different things uh, that are possible that people can encounter these environments in an online process. Most of our church was already onboarded to online giving. So some of those things were already in place. And for the churches that were not, this was very difficult. Now, the reason I say I'm more optimistic is because I think that churches now, both church plants and moving forward, and even those that are going to be replants, are now going to have in mind that they need to have at least some kind of presence in the digital environment. 
even if they're not going to stream their services, their pastors are going to be more conscientious of the fact that, man, I've got to stay connected with my people during the one, six, seven, all those hours of the week. I think that's going to be a primary engagement driving factor kind of moving forward. Um, whether it's going to be through social media platforms or something else. And it's not even going to be before they would like insult people saying, Oh, well, that's just celebrity stuff. That's just people trying to accentuate themselves. I think now they recognize, Oh no, there's a need for my people to be connected on a regular basis throughout the week to pastoral community, to, to have something, somebody shepherding them there in that kind of way. And so that's something that I could see that hangs around for a long time moving forward in church leadership. Yeah, that's a good, I, I was just, as you were saying that I, I was thinking of a lot of church plants and people coming out of seminary right now. And I got an email from somebody uh, just yesterday that they're, they're graduating from seminary and they're wanting to plant a church online. And I'm thinking there's a lot of these people that are finishing up school or maybe, you know, there's a friend here locally that planted a church and I'm just thinking, Oh man, what a terrible time to be like cut off from a lot of the financial support because it is, it's like, you know, churches that have been going for a couple of years, you're going to generally have some base, but if you're just, just launching or just launched, it's going to be really rough. But I, I, I am excited for the people thinking about planting churches uh, instead of getting so wrapped up in just picking a location in a building, you know, more people are going to go, Oh wow, maybe we should just start streaming and start doing yeah. this. And the barrier of entry is a lot lower now. And, and I, I like that because I think it gets them thinking digital really early. Yep. Yeah, let me let me pitch in something on that because like and I'm going to put on my Stadia hat here for a second. Do there it. are some phenomenal stories that, that are coming out of Stadia next week. We're going to have um, uh, Patrick. He's he's a church planner. Um, the man's not even living in the city where his church is, is planning yet. And he's utilizing Facebook groups and church line to ramp up his actual ministry and, and how he's got such like even today he started rolling out his strategy for how he's using local facebook groups to connect with people trying to get exposure to meet and to funnel them in it's phenomenal the stuff that he's doing and he's not even located within the city that he's trying to, to reach hmm. there are people that we're going to be doing blogs with and going to write contents there's guys who were scheduled to launch their church in the fall and they're looking at, at like the ramp up of what's what's happening in this season and they're like, yeah, we want to roll sooner. Like, let's launch now. We're not we're not prepared for physical, but let's do ministry now because this is where people need us. And so okay. it's it's amazing to me because some people it's there's a mix. I, I've seen both. There's some people who are like, I don't even know what's going on right now. I'm I'm gonna pause and I'm gonna delay. And, mm -hmm. and then at the same time, I've seen people who are like, dude, the fire's over there. That's where I'm needed. I'm running towards the fire to mm -hmm. try to to do what I can. It's it's this phenomenal. Uh, experience where you start to see planners. I, I had a had a giga church, literally twenty thousand member um, church, physical locations. Their online pastor said to me the other day, "Man, I wish I was at a church plant right now where I could be doing tangible ministry," hmm. because he's even recognizing, which is scary. And I, I kind of had to work with him a little bit, but he's seeing this point of okay, what's happening at the at at the physical level with the broadcast and all this that's so far away from the. The relationships and you have to work really hard to get into those tangible relationships uh and that's that's really where a lot of the church online the relationships that's where the the life change and the discipleship comes in small churches church plants have a huge opportunity in, in the time ahead to utilize technology in a real way i don't know that they really realized it beforehand but i know a lot of churches are learning it kind of in this season
Yeah. And just to throw this in on the flip side, like I heard um, from some folks that how disappointed they were that their churches weren't offering anything here locally in Miami, how almost disenfranchised they felt like they felt so isolated as a result of it. And these are older elderly folks, you know, their churches weren't even offering, you know, the people that you thought, oh, well, those folks might not necessarily have be into church online or whatever else they felt alone in the fact that their church wasn't offering any opportunity for them to engage online. And they were coming to us saying, hey, we're, we're going to be watching your services in this time because we have nothing else. And I almost wanted to give that, pick up that pastor's phone and be like, hey, man, can you please just record yourself for this poor old lady here? Because like, she wants to be part of your church. She still wants to be tied in there, but you're not providing that opportunity for her. Like, that's a shame. I've heard that from a couple people just looking at pausing. And, and I do, do think it's overwhelming when you think about doing church online and especially if you think of it as an all or nothing type of initiative mm -hmm. um uh, we we've been talking a lot about the ideas that there's like kind of four pillars of how you kind of do it it's it's you have large gatherings online you have small gatherings online you have one-on-one -on -one connections and you have self-guided uh kind of opportunities and your church needs to do all those and you as the pastor don't need to do it all but you need to encourage your key people and your small groups and the people mentoring to use these venues because ultimately you as the pastor are not doing all the ministry. And so you got to understand some of it. You got to enable your key people to do it. But I, I do think a lot of, I, I do think it calls out, like if it's, if you're just streaming, I, I still believe that it's, it's because you, your ministry paradigm was so dependent on people being present. And the more you do stuff online and, and I know you guys have experienced this before you do something digital, you have, you have to really think through it because it's, it's, you have to pre-program it. You got to write out your emails. You got to coach your people. And I think a lot of people, the way they do ministries, people show up and they, they preach and then they have these conversations and sometimes digital kind of calls out all this, this planning that you have to do. And it's, it is hard. So I, I, I'm, I'm praying that a lot of people as the weeks go on, that they get challenged not to be like, not just a pause and that even the people that are doing small things that you got to lean into more uncomfortable, like you got to up your game slowly because this is as, as the weeks and the months draw on, however long we're in this season, you can't pause cannot be an answer. It can be an answer for some things, but not for everything. Yeah. You know, Jay, a conversation that I think that this advanced drastically and we were highlighting this with our staff the last couple of weeks was the, the engagement being the new attendance conversation. To me, this whole thing is, is advanced this light years ahead because, you know, everybody's falling in love with the views right now, right? Like, oh man, great. We got awesome views. Hey, everybody's reaching thousands and thousands of people. Wonderful. But the thing that I keep telling them is, all right, but how many, how many connections did we receive that week? How many people are getting plugged into small groups? Because if and when, if and when it comes time to transition back to physical locations, like we need to make sure that people are connected. We need to make sure that they're connected. And even then in the here and now, if they're going to be cared for, they have to be connected, whether it's in small group, whether they're serving, they have to have some kind of tangible connection to the church. And so we have to hone in on those metrics now and put a greater emphasis on those than we do on the actual view count week to week. Yeah. So, I mean, engagement, at least how I define engagement, it's a two-way conversation. So mm -hmm. it's, it's user, computer user, online attender, engaging in a conversation with the church or someone from the church to the point that they're no longer just consuming a product, but they're responding and, and engaging with it in, in the physical space. 
there's three different models of church. One would be a physical only model of church. One that is, hey, we're just going back to the way that it was in, in the physical space. There's the other end of the spectrum, and this is one that, that I've done a lot of talking about, where it's a digital only model, a digital ecclesi ecclesiology only in virtual space. It's not dependent on uh, the physical at all. And then there's probably something in between. Call it more fidgetal. That's the term that, that Stadia is using right now. Towards It's a mixture of digital and physical, where we're utilizing the physical church, but we're utilizing the digital tools to create uh, a mixed model of it. Ray, we've been on podcasts with, uh, with Eric Geiger. I think Geiger is actually the first person that I ever heard say the word uh, digital uh, back when we did this uh, podcast almost a, a year ago now, man. It's been crazy. Here's my question with all that. Is a physical only in this culture, and, and, and I'm not looking for mic drops here, but legitimately, like, is that even going to work? We Technology has shifted and adjusted so far. Mm. Yeah, there's probably some churches that, that still could be physical only and, and, and ignore it. But I'm wondering at some point is is like is it already gone where a physical only approach like they're not going to last is is there room for it am I being too doomsday uh, I'm open to to feedback what do you guys think physical only I think you're always going to have outliers um, in terms of the physical only you know that you'll be able to point to and and th that they'll be able to point to themselves and say you see we did it without digital as if there's a gold medal for that you know um, I, I think those are always going to exist I don't think it's going to be the norm though. Um, you know, I, I think within this within the bell curve of hey, strictly digital and strictly strictly physical, I think the greater is going to be in the middle where the digital meets. But um, but within that though, I think you are still going to have some on the outlier side that say nope, we are not going to podcast even. We're not going to put our stuff streaming. We're not going to do any of that. Instead, we're going to make sure that all of our meetings are in physical spaces and environments. I think that it still will happen. Yeah, and it's really it comes down to like you know, each of us are called to reach the people God calls us to reach. So is the question, mm -hmm. can people leverage just physical and not digital? Well, of course, there's always going to be counter movements to reach different people. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's it's kind of like the difference between, you know, Orange County to Los Angeles County to, you know, outside of Seattle, like every, every little subculture exists. And, you know, I, I don't have to like Minecraft for Minecraft to be used and popular you know what i mean like it, it it is you know there's so much of the internet that i just don't get and but it's still relevant you know i i pull up any youtuber and i i get annoyed in a moment and i'm like how is this person popular and it's but it's the point is that you know it's it's the whole thing that's happened with zoom in the last couple of weeks like zoom has been around many of us have been using zoom for five plus years and the problem with zoom what happened in the last couple of weeks is when 200 million people use it and 1% of those 2 million people get scared because a third of their people are in China, then everybody has, there's a backlash on Zoom. And it's like nothing really changed. It just happened to be their audience went berserk. And it's just, when you have a large enough people, people get scared. But I think the reverse is true with the church is for sure. People are, there's always going to be things that are going to be relevant. And I think they're going to be people that are unreached. And I just, I, I think it doesn't it doesn't make sense if you want to reach a lot of people to not use digital. But can you reach people? Yeah, and I still think that that will be um, it could be a powerful expression, especially as you know before this there were all that stuff going around about how social media 
and being on your phone and screen time and all this stuff was kind of draining your brain. And the thought was, if you were leaning too much into digital, you were kind of feeding this bad habit and it wasn't yep. mentally healthy. Um, and so I think that will go back. Um, I, I, I think whatever we're in, you know, we're going to swing back. Uh, the pretty, you know, humans are pretty resilient. And I think, you know, everybody thought the world was going to be one way after 9-11. And guess what? Yeah. We went back to that way. I think we're going to go back to our ways after this. There will be some changes, but I, I, I think we are, I mean, you look through the, the, the span of history. We, we've been through a lot. And yeah. uh, eventually we, we kind of go back to norm. So I, I don't think that this will drastically change too much. I just think, I think it will just lead to people. I think there's a portion of people that probably were going to adopt some digital stuff. Um, I, I'm curious, the thing I feel like that, that I think it will impact churches. I think the more remark, remote learning, remote learning stuff is yeah. going to be really interesting. I, I think there's going to be a lot of people more okay with like people working from home and just like, that's, I think a lot of churches just totally, you yeah. know, you know, figured that one out. But I, I, I don't think it's going to, I feel like for sure digital is the smartest way to do it, but still people will still not do digital for sure. <laughs> you know, we're going to get to the remote learning. Carrie Newhoff published the thing and I don't want us to unpack it here in a second, but I, I want to come back to your four pillars, Jay. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said it because it was in the back of my mind. I couldn't figure out what the four were, but I, I've loved this of you've got the, you know, the large group, you've got small group, you've got one-on-one, -on -one, and then you've got kind of self-led, self-taught systems that are in place. I would suggest pre-coronavirus that church was using, was very good, I say that, we were really good at broadcasting services, and we were really good at making sermon archives and, and some resources uh, available for quote-unquote self-taught. I don't know that we were really developing rich funnels in, in, in curriculum there, but I think we were. We thought we were good at maybe the, the large group and, and, and the self. I don't think that we had really given much attention to the one-on-one -on -one and, and the small group. Hmm. I think that we're seeing the small group grow um, quickly, if no, nothing else than like situations like Ray where, hey, we had to get our groups have to meet. This is a long period of time. And now, you know, Ray's telling stories of 90 percent of their small groups are, are now funneled into an online environment. And some of those when the dust settles, some of them may stick online. Some of them may be a hybrid and, and, and you know, would love to see some exposure there. I think in this season, I'm, I'm hoping that the church is learning there, there's opportunities for four pillars, not just two. And one thing that I don't even think that we've even realized yet is how to utilize the one-on-one -on -one for multiplication, for discipleship, to teach a disciple others to the point where they can disciple someone else. So I think there's even opportunities for us to grow in this season where we even are today towards what tomorrow can be. Kind of any, any, thought, any thoughts on yeah. that? How, how have you seen the, the, the small groups or the one-on-one -on -one kind of, what does that look like in, in, in your environments? So for us, um, you know, the small group has really been transformed in a lot of ways. I mean, we were already doing digital small groups before through Zoom or through Google Hangouts or whatever methods that the group leader wanted to choose. But, um, but Jeff, what you're talking about here, you know, I don't even know if we're, if we're succeeding in that. I'm, I look forward to hearing Jay's answer a little bit more. This is what I was going to highlight is, remember, we, we spoke to Ed Stetzer a few, a few episodes ago 
where he talked about the need for the third environment, that churches need like a third environment. And we talked about how digital can become that. And we're finding that we're creating more content, but even I've been coming back and talking to our leadership about creating more community around that third environment. Because it, as such, we've kind of become like mini Netflix with the amount of content that we've been churning out, just the need to feed people social, 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 thinking that that's connection. But the, the, re the reality of it is that the opposite is true. Our people need more community kind of engagement. So Jay, uh, what are some things that you guys have done in terms of the one-on-one -on -one stuff uh, to get good at that? Yeah, I, so for sure, we've had a huge conversion as well. I don't know the percentage of, of what's happening, but a lot of stuff we were promoting early on was how to convert your existing group to an online group and then how to join an online group. So I think we, we, we spun up a lot of like more robust tutorial videos on how to use Zoom. We spun up a support line so people who were kind of stuck could call in and we could answer questions on whatever I did. I did one where this lady who was like clearly in her eighties, she did not know how to zoom. She was trying to do it from her iPad. And, you know, I'm just, I realized she was scheduling, she was editing her, her zoom meeting on like her iPad calendar. I was like, Oh yeah, that doesn't talk to the zoom app. You got to go. So like, so it's like those type of things where you're just trying to, you're trying to help people navigate the gap of, of transition. Um, and then, and because like we're in that we're it's 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 the classic like you know what's going to happen when people like with the industrial revolution we're going to leave people around you know the people from the horse to the car and people right. get left behind and we're in one of those digital where you could have survived without digital on some level because you could have still done stuff but now those people who hadn't adopted you know are being left behind so we wanted to guide those people um, and, and then it was a lot of, we spun up a lot of online central groups where large groups could be together and we would use Zoom breakouts so that people could taste and experience what an online group was before being jumped into starting one or joining one small. Um, but 101, I think a lot of it is around, hey, experience an online group, join an online group. And then the idea is that you could do this same thing one-on-one with people. And, mm. and I think we've been communicating two things. It's you could do a Zoom, a Skype, or just call people. And this is something that, you know, I've been doing, like I did a Zoom with my grandma a couple, like two weeks ago, a week and a half oh, ago. Oh, grandma, that's awesome. And, that's so sweet, yeah. I love and it. And so like, but it was funny. What a good like, I, grandson. I know, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying it for brownie points. <laughs> but like, but it was funny because like I said, let's do a Zoom. And I text all my family and stuff. And we did this Zoom and my grand, my, my, one of my brothers and his wife live with my grandma right now. And so she, he was able to be tech support. And we were all able to get on the call. And the cool thing, I have another brother that's in, um, well, actually he just moved, he's in Missouri, outside of St. Louis. And we were able to all be on this call. And we hadn't all been together for like years. And like my nephew and stuff. And it was, it showed the power of this. Like, why weren't we doing this before? Like we could have done this, but this forced everybody to do it. And I, I think with my grandma though, I still, we did that Zoom, but I still call her once a week. I call my other grandma too. And so the last couple of weeks, cause two things, I know that they're isolated and they have to stay inside, that they're in the demographic, right. they have to, but I just call them. And, and so I think we're encouraging, you don't have to use complex technology. You could just jump on the phone. And I think a lot of that is just teaching and modeling from, from the pastor side. It's just going, hey, Here's a way you can experience it. Hey, and then we tell them, hey, you need to do it one-on-one. And then lastly, you can use whatever you want. Just old school call them. You know, I was trying to, 
earlier today I was meeting with somebody this morning and we were trying to do a Zoom call and the, and their Wi-Fi went down. And it's funny, I just, we called and we did a phone call. And it's like, it doesn't need to be this like complicated, complicated. thing. Yeah. And I think sometimes we put the, the bar so high that it's just like, we just like, and this is the whole thing, you guys know this. Our online groups were very agnostic with our technology. So it's just like meet with your friends, meet with your people. We don't care how you meet. Zoom's a great tool. If it's confusing to you, I don't care. Call, you know, you know, fight, you text each other, whatever. Just you need to meet. And so I think the more we tell those stories, the more we provide environments for them to taste it and experience it, the more people will do it. And I, and I think that's why I would encourage pastors. If, if you're like, I just don't get online groups. I don't, it scares me. I don't, if you don't do it, your community won't do it. And your job is you still want your church to still be a church and you need to facilitate that. And I think a lot of churches are, are the catalysts to people figuring it out. They're either experiencing at work or they're experiencing in their church. And if they start doing it, then guess what? Then they'll go, Oh, you know what? I could do this with my family or I could do this with my, with my, with my neighbors. I could use zoom. And I think a lot of people are meeting in online groups for their work and for their church, and that's bleeding over to all areas of life, which ultimately leads to people not feeling as isolated, and it leads to a healthy experience. So I think we do have a job to show that this stuff is possible online, and we got to push them, and we got to do it. Jay, you said something earlier that really intrigued me. You said that you think that things are going to kind of go back to normal, like really, really quick, um, you know, in terms of the fact that we're going to get back to the way that things were. Why do you think that's the case, and what do you think some of that's going to look like? Like, let's say... August, they say, hey, guys, we're ready to go back in to gatherings of 50 or more on a nationwide scale in the United States. What does that look like to you? I think if you're if you do not know, so this is the number one thing. There's a lot of people that went streaming the first week or two and they were measuring numbers. And now week three, four, five into it, they're seeing a drop. And so I think the narrative is going to be like, well, that only worked for the week, first week or two. And now we have a third of wherever we were at. And I think if you don't, if you don't properly understand the metrics, if you don't properly understand what's going on, then I feel like the data, data can be spun in any way possible. Mm -hmm. so another example is that if you don't have a good strategy online right, right now, and you're not telling people to get into online groups, if you're not launching them, launching them, then nobody's going to do it. And you might come out of this, go, you know what we stream, but online groups really didn't work. And our people really don't want it because nobody did it and the question comes down was that because nobody did it because they really didn't want it or was was it because your poor leadership you weren't able to execute it right and yeah. so i i think i'm nervous that right now churches are not leveraging digital correctly and they're going to say our people don't want a digital strategy because they didn't do it yeah. and it really right. it's not going to be because they didn't do it it's because you didn't do it right and i i think it can be a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy so i think it's i think people will I, I think a lot of people will continue streaming their services. I'm just worried people won't stream more things. They won't lean into online groups. They'll pull back. So like support groups, online support groups, I think make a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people will go, you know what? That was scary. Let's not do that. I don't think you need to make it for everybody, but I still think that like online counseling, online crisis stuff, online group support groups, I think that has a place digitally. And, mm -hmm. and maybe it's 20% of your strategy, but I think a lot of people might go, you know what, and, and pull back. At least that's my, if I put on my, my speculative hat, <laughs> um, which, which if you knew anything about my stock investing, you would know that it's probably not worth a lot. Uh, but, but ultimately, I, I guess that's what I'm feeling. I, I'm, I'm a little nervous about that.
Yeah, you, you know, it's funny because I, I lean a little bit more on the optimistic side. And the reason is, is because, you know, I, I liken it kind of to what happened when, when your lead pastor, when Rick Warren came out with Purpose Driven Church. A lot of churches tried it and they, and they tried it. They quote unquote tried it. They didn't necessarily give into it. They didn't build systems around it. They didn't really try to move people through each of the five purposes. They didn't really do that. And so after, you know, six weeks of, hey, we took our church through Purpose Driven Life. We did X, Y, and Z. And you know what? Our church didn't grow. Well, you still stayed in small groups. You didn't funnel people. You didn't have connections. You didn't have systems in place to move people into the small groups, those who wanted to join, those who wanted to get on board with some of this stuff. You took a lot of people through it who wanted to get on board, but you never really had the systems in place to get them there. So it's not that it didn't work. It's that you weren't really fully dedicated to the system. And so that's kind of where I, I, I agree with you in a sense of, yeah, are some people going to be critical of it on the back end? Absolutely. Do I see a lot of other people, kind of like the elderly that we talked about on the front end, transitioning to churches that had a lot of those systems in place, though? Absolutely, I do. Because now they're put into care systems where people are actually caring on them and loving on them in that one, six, seven space and not just in that hour and 15 or two hours on Sunday. Now they've actually got church for real. Like they've got a community of believers that are in their lives that care about them as opposed to just, well, I sit in the pew and I sing from the hymnal. It's the same hymnal every week and that's all we got. Now they're actually going to have real people, tangible people in their lives that they can go and visit, that can visit them. And then this is the not so optimistic side. There's still the fear factor of getting sick. There's still that cloud that's going to loom over our nation and over our culture for quite a while where I think even just going to church and seeing people in masks is going to be enough to freak people out that they're going to say, you know what, I'd prefer to stay home. I prefer to engage in digital spaces for now until I have some kind of normalcy back. And so even though I agree, like, hey, 9-11, eventually things went back to normal, I still see because of cultural advancements and because of fear and even because of connection on the positive side, I see a lot of the digital stuff hanging around and sticking. Well said. Well said. Hey, yeah. So, and, and I mentioned it briefly, Carrie Newhoff, and I hate to like quote, well, Carrie Newhoff said, but it's, it's interesting because actually I had several people email me Carrie Newhoff's most recent blog. We'll link to it in the show notes. It's like five predictions for, for the future. Uh, and, and honestly, a lot of it has uh, validated a lot of the things that I've been saying. And he's talking about how digital church is, is here to stay church online in his context. Cause when I say digital, I'm far more aggressive towards digital only but to his context church online digital church is here to stay daily content was another thing that 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 carrie said in his uh, of how this is the opportunity for church to be seven days a week ray to your end i think there's an opportunity not just to be content but to have community around that and that's the thing that i think the church a lesson that i'm learning even mid coronavirus here it's not enough to be content seven days a week but to be community acts two I recently wrote a blog on this last week about how we're, um, we're, we're content overload, but we're really conversation starved mm -hmm. because we're, we're, we're watching content, but we're not interacting with people. Create community online, not, not seven days a week, not, not just the content. Work environment. I got to tell you, like, I'm looking forward to, to having this mixed work environment where some at home and, and some in the office because I've had plenty of people tell me. Um, that they are more productive uh, in, in home environments as well. Um, this was interesting, and, and we'll pause here for a second. He saw that multi-site, uh, maybe it was going to have an issue here because people are more likely to, to stay at home and engage instead of going to some of the, the multi-site campuses where they're smaller, they can't necessarily afford the 20% drop like a, a normal church would. Um, like what's, 
what's your spin? And, and the fifth was sermon. And we can talk about sermon later, but sermon definitely is evolving in this season. But I'm just curious on the multi-site. And, and I'm not necessarily looking for mic drops either here, but what do y'all's take um, towards multi-site maybe struggling in, in this season? Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I feel like a lot of our multi-site in, in our model, and I've seen this in other churches as well, is that, you know, ultimately, like, the larger you are, the more, like, neutral your language has to come from. It has to feel like it's from this behemoth because you're, you're, you're ultimately thinking about everybody. And I really have loved a lot of churches that have multi-site expressions thriving because uh, literally their pastor now has more time than ever to communicate to their to their community and so like our church was doing stuff daily and i i just loved watching a lot of our our campus pastors like just go live and upload videos and record stuff from their home and just figure out all that stuff so i i actually th and i i think ultimately that's the you know within your church the value of the multi-site depending on if you have live teaching or you know a pre-recorded type of thing you know a lot of it comes down to that tight-knit community and ultimately social media and online tactics are really good in that. And so the idea is that I just have my message for our people. And I think if you empower people, I actually think that this is a thriving opportunity. Now, the question is, is the person who got hired at that multi-site location ready to, you know, to actually be somebody who to leverage these moments? Because I know I, I noticed that it's like all of a sudden, like, you know, we had some people that weren't really on social media. And now in this time, you have to be on social media. This is the only way you could talk to your people. And that could be uncomfortable. So I, I yeah. do think it's it's the same way if your multi-site tomorrow went to a, a live teaching and you were a video. Also, maybe you're not necessarily the person that can handle the live teaching. That's not a skill that you've built up. But I, I definitely think it's something that is valuable, more valuable at a multi-site level because you could be more personal, more you can be you can kind of express the ethos of whatever your campus is at, at that level. Yeah, I agree with you, Jay. I think there's a lot of need, you know, for campus pastors, especially when we had the same issue where campus pastors, so a lot, all of our campus pastors had social media accounts. Did they ever leverage them for the sake of connecting with their communities or whatever prior to this? No. And so this was kind of a sharp learning lesson, like a real quick have to hit left and take a turn where, and even then we've had to encourage them, all right, but not just content. Once again, kind of like we flagged earlier, but also community side, make sure you're engaging in the comments that you're talking with people that you're inviting them to take next steps that you're doing those things as well i think that's crucial but also there's something that that i wonder about because i i launched a physical multi-site before i took on this job uh, of being our, our online pastor and you know looking back and looking or excuse me looking back a little bit in terms of the expenses that are there and even then looking forward in the way that some of these dynamics are changing the economy of church i do wonder how uh, how ready churches are going to be to jump into rental spaces for a lot of this, especially where real estate can be so high when they know the potential for reach through digital avenues and they know the potential for community building early on onset before launching that physical location. Um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that a lot more churches who are kind of on the edge to transition would merge through some of this with some of the multi-site churches to help alleviate some of that stress, some of the financial burden that's there. Not just because churches like, you know, Coral, Christ Fellowship Coral Gables that I helped launch, you know, would have an opportunity, but because, you know, specifically in, in cities, in areas like New York, LA, where, J, where Jay's at, you know, in Orange County, in that area, Miami, where I'm at, where real estate is so huge and so expensive, and it's difficult for churches to stay physically in a space where they can gain from that. 
that to me is a big deal. And then the last thing, Jeff, and we flagged this before is the size of the spaces that we think that we need. You know, I think in terms of advancement, we're not going to be building these massive theaters anymore. I think this is going to help advance the fact that we're going to build smaller, smaller rooms, but maybe more of them, you know, um, to help accommodate for the needs of a specific community, recognizing that the digital environments can carry the bulk of the load of larger spaces. There's certainly opportunities for the physical church to, uh, to pivot through this and, and even to understand, um, you know, at, at the campus level, it's it's far more relational in, in getting down into that even with multi-site churches that i work with it's it's you know the content let let central run the content at the campus level get get relational get get down and, and dirty at that level and understand that you know, you know we're in the people business at, at that point as at the campus level if we're conversation starved even in this coronavirus season that's this is our opportunity to to engage at the at the campuses uh, mm -hmm. to really get into that. So, um, definitely love that. Well, I tell you what, we're, we're going to wrap. This has been, this has been a great, once again, it's always a great podcast when Jay, Jay Crandall is in the building. Love seeing Jay's, uh, face. You have to go to YouTube the way we're on YouTube. We never talk about YouTube and nobody ever follows me on YouTube, but if you want to see Jay's face through this and see his awesome, um, seminary like backdrop that's not in a uh an actual library go over to youtube and you you can see that and dissect it's it. so it's, dope <laughs> it is awesome it's 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 been great we're just like you know raving out over here looking at jay's uh, theological backdrop cool hey so as we're landing the plane here after that awkward moment hey ray any thoughts as we're landing the plane here yeah I, um leading into this i, I honestly I, I went into this season with a spirit of fear you know with the disease and everything kind of looming over us as a heavy cloud, like many of you did. And even kind of watching as to how churches were going to transition into these spaces. I'm super encouraged by the ones that have at least tried. <laughs> and I think that's something, you know, to be celebrated. Now coming out of it, are we going to embrace the physical and digital? That's a question that we've all got to answer together and how we're going to embrace that. I've always been encouraged by how Jay and Jeff have led the way and pioneered in so many ways and providing resources for, for churches to navigate those questions. And so if you've not yet checked out some of Jay's tools in terms of how to launch small groups online, how to do that, I want to encourage you to just, you know, take about a half hour and plug in with some of those videos and, and dive into it and start to ask yourself, man, am I concerned with the community aspects of my church right now? Or am I just worried about getting a message out to them every week? Because that community question, that's going to change everything for you in terms of your digital experience. Jay is right in that this could be something that, hey, it's just a fleeting moment for your church unless you leverage it for all of its potential. Awesome. Well said. By the way, Jay, jaycranda.com, I think that's the website. Is Jay Cranda your social media? Like, how yeah. can people follow up with you, Jay? Yeah, yeah, just Jay Cranda. Just Cran all, all the accounts. They're all the same. Jay Cranda all over the place. You there's know not, what? There's not a lot. There's not a lot of us. So, <laughs> hey, and you should hit him up on TikTok. Jay Cranda on TikTok. Oh, I don't even know if I'm on there. That's a good question. I have an account. Oh, I'm gonna follow. That's a question. Uh, you I, told I me before just... you had an account. You're so you lied in a previous podcast. Well, I'm calling you. I have account. the question is is that I don't know what my username is. So okay. I think I have it. So all right. Um, that's a good question. I, I would say, Jeff, for my, my closing thought would be to encourage churches and leaders, you know, within, within those churches, with your leadership, is this is the time to experiment with all your ideas. 
So if you got an idea that you want to experiment with digitally, this is the time to test it because your leadership is at least got some interest. So do not, if you're like, I want to try out this thing digitally and, and you're doing it six months from now, you've missed it. You've totally missed yeah. the point. So whatever you want to do, try it out and put it under the, the umbrella or the, you know, the everything about we're testing this out. So online membership, we want to test out online membership. Hey, can we test this out right now? Hey, we, we're, we're not going to, let's just do small things. Let's just try it out in a beta form. But this is the time. Make your asks now. Do not wait till later. So I, I think that would be my encouragement. Yeah. By the way, if, if you're not in a, talking about experimenting and even just getting feedback that are on this road, if you're not in a Facebook group, um, talking and talking through some of the stuff, you really should be. A lot of the, the best wisdom and experience from guys that are doing this, guys and gals who are doing this, you know, I'm, I'm hearing coming out of Facebook groups. So I know I started one at, the short link is at the church.digital slash FB for Facebook. And so that'll redirect to, to one that I'm doing with Stadia. I know there's a um, uh, online digital tools. And if you hit me up on Facebook, I can point you that way. Granted.com, man, I, I don't know how you generate so much like video content on, on YouTube. I'm, I'm always shocked at, at how much stuff you're, you're turning around, just the, the one-man shop making that happen. But he's definitely a, a good follow there with, with the YouTube stuff. And not to mention, I mean, crap, five years ago, seven years ago, when I started on this road, I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, Jay was one of the, the voices for me, honestly, that just started speaking into, into me and saying, hey, there's this thing called online to offline. Have you heard of it? And, and honestly, that one philosophy, and whether he takes credit or not for saying it, revolutionized my view of church and others as well. And so you go back to earlier podcasts. If you go back to episode three, I think it's was, was the first with Jay Cranda, the OG. And so you can catch up with that and, and listen to it. But as, as, as you, t as you tell me the least listened to episode, by the way, you've told me last time we were on. So, so I edited this story. We need earlier. more views for it. We need more listens. People help Jay so out. Listening, Come on. Uh, listen, audience, I'm going to be completely honest right now. And, and this, I, I cut this out in an earlier podcast cause it was inappropriate, but I, he's brought it up again. So let's actually really have tell the story. Jay Cranda is the least listened episode I have at the church digital today. <laughs> Um, I don't think it's related to Jay Cranda because Jay Cranda, the, another episode that we did later on was actually very high, but I launched four episodes at the exact same day when we launched this thing, by the way, our one year anniversary is like coming up in, in a couple days. And so our one year anniversary, we're, we're bringing in somebody we're going to launch on Thursday. It's going to be awesome. One year anniversary coming up. But with Jay, we launched four episodes in a row. Episode one, episode two were heavily listened to. Episode four, which was the top one in the podcast when people downloaded it, is heavily listened to. My man Jay gets no love whatsoever. Nobody listens to his podcast. I'm like, it's Jay freaking Cranda. Why does nobody listen man. to this podcast? So I, 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 I had I had a, I totally thought like I texted you a day later. I had an idea of why that happened, but yeah. I still, you like, it, like it bugged, I know you re released a bunch at once, but it still cracks me up. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally, it's, I should have launched three. Maybe I should have just launched two, but I was really excited to do this yeah. podcast thing. And I can't believe we made like 60 plus here. This is awesome. One year anniversary coming up. So here's what I want you to do, listening audience. Stop this podcast, go back to your app, scroll down, find episode three, Jay Cranda. 
by the way, I'm not saying that episode's better than this episode, but it's uh, no, it's 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 a really good one. Check it out, listen to it, and, and just show some love to my friend Jay, so he's no longer the least listened to episode of the Church Digital. I mean, he's too smart to be at the bottom. He just he really is. Give oh. Jay a chance. This is Hashtag a good way to end. This is a good way to end. Jay. This is a great way to end. This is a great way to end. Jay, it was great having you on the podcast. <laughs> I hope we have many more before you kill Jeff Reed. But yeah. <laughs> awesome. Hey, so for Ray, for Jay, this is Jeff for the Church Digital. Thanks for being here. And we'll see you next time here on the podcast. Y'all have a good day.